Welcome to Teacher Pop, a podcast where teachers discuss pop culture topics and how they can apply to teaching in the classroom. I'm your host, Jordan Billings, a seventh grade social studies teacher who loves being in the classroom and talking about all things pop culture. Let's get into today's topic. All right, and welcome to this episode of Teacher Pop. We actually have our first returning guest that was actually our very first guest, which is the amazing Ryan Stevens. Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, Jordan. I love this podcast, so I'm excited to be a guest a second time. All right, do you want to take a second to introduce yourself just in case if folks missed it in episode one? Yeah, not a problem. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm Ryan Stevens. I teach eighth grade uh, social studies, focuses American history. Um, I am also host a podcast, so I'm going to like selfish, shamelessly plug this real, I'll real plug quick. It. It's, <laughs> it's uh, the awe-inspired uh, podcast, which focuses on all things adventurous, wondrous, and empowering uh, in education, insights from both students and uh, teachers. Absolutely. When you're done with this, you need to get on to the subscribe and you need to go because that podcast is awesome. So um, for our uh, for our episode today, um, we were kind of talking about, you know, what we maybe want to, to go into. And um, the at the time of this podcast recording, um, it has been is it has it been two weeks? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's that's about what it's been. Yeah. So um, it is two weeks since uh, the passing of a film iconic legend, which is Sir Sean Connery. And I know that both uh, you and I have some, some deep Connery fandom roots. And so we decided that we really wanted to take a special episode to talk about all that kind of he's done, some of his main iconic roles, and then connect that to things that we could do in the classroom. Oh, yeah. I mean, Connery is just like, I mean, even though it's like before, like our generation, like, I mean, he was the defining character of like the sixties. If you were going to be like this suave, tough guy, I mean, you've got, you had like the quintessential American tough guys, but if you wanted that suave international debonair tough guy, I mean, it was, it was Connery. Kind of the, like, almost like invented suave action hero. If you can say that. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there's this awesome line of um, uh, um, Coppola when he was, uh, or sorry, not Coppola, the uh, um, Bartoli that was doing the, uh, or Broccoli, sorry, Albert, oh my gosh, my Albert name. Albert Broccoli, yes. yes. Albert Broccoli. Yes. <laughs> um, when, he, when they were casting for Bond, they said uh, he interviewed for it and then he walked out and they didn't think he had it. And then when they watched him walk away, they said he walked like a panther. And that is what got them... Oh, see that? Yes. I see. And you love stuff like that. These, Mm -hmm. these extra little things. So, um, so in fact, that's going to be our kind of first movie, um, at least our movie role, because of course he played that role in multiple movies. So we're talking about the um, sort of first iconic um, James Bond, 007, License to Kill. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I usually, we've kind of talked about how we're going to do intros for different stuff. So, uh, for those of you that do not know, uh, James Bond is a secret agent assigned to MI6, which is British intelligence. And this movie series 
is about him uh, sort of going around and solving these international mysteries. Sometimes he is fighting a sort of like lone sort of arch nemesis. Sometimes it's connected to something bigger than that, which is Spectre, um, which is the kind of main organization for bad guys. And now I feel like I should be able to like say, cause Spectre is a, um, uh, it's an abbreviation and now it's going to take me a second to remember what it is and maybe as we're talking I'll figure that out <laughs> um, but uh but Sean Connery is this you know lone British agent that's going all over the world and trying to you know protect Britain uh, works with American CIA um and all basically trying to you know protect the dem democratic world from all of these arch nemeses yeah. And he's like, I mean, it really was kind of that defining character in terms of like the espionage genre. I mean, of course, like Ian Fleming's books were just incredible. And it's hard to picture any Bond after Connery as really having that same magic, uh, the way Connery just sort of embodied that character. And that really just kind of comes through in his uh, performance. I love the irony too of the like the quintessential James Bond British secret agent is Scottish, which is just isn't that awesome. isn't that very interesting? Because yeah. yeah, you would think that that's not like yes. So <laughs> so it did bug me that I did indeed. I had to take a second. I had to look it up before we went, and it is special um, executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, and extortion is what Spectre stands for. It's this group of bad guys that like, and it's not in every movie that he does, but um, a lot of these times you get like little hints of these bigger things. Um, and uh, and I feel like, I know that both you and I run gamified classrooms um, and something like that, I think maybe runs into a little bit of the power of mystery that we have in, in our classrooms. Um, I know that there was a, a time that I, uh, I wanted to unveil a unit and I put um, unit materials inside of a box and I left the box up in front of a class for like a week. And they were like, Mr. Billings, what is in the box? And I was like, I, I will let you know when it's going to get opened. It'll get open at this and such time. And people are looking and you're like, you can't touch the box. Like you can look at it, but you can't touch the box. And that's a, they're looking around trying to figure that out. And like that anticipation then builds towards amazing things that we can do in the classroom. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. And his, I think probably probably like the greatest thing about the Bond movies, at least in my estimation, is the the scenes where it's the interaction with Q and it's the gadgets that they get. And I feel like that's really where like Connery's Bond kind of started to really hook people in. I mean, there were spy movies before, there were thrillers and suspenseful movies before, but this idea that he gets outfitted with like the coolest stuff possible you know, uh, ejector seat in an Aston Martin DB5, um, you know, a, a helicopter that like can just be like assembled out of a box and everything. Yeah. I mean, but has all of these rockets and right. like all sorts of cool stuff that a normal yeah. helicopter wouldn't have. I absolutely agree. And I, I think that that's, I mean, Bond and gadgets to a lot of fans super connect. And mm -hmm. I think that that talks about even some of those, you know, like teacher tech tools and things that we use in the class and how gadgets in Bond, gadgets are lifesavers. It always seems to be, and do you ever notice that he always gets the right gadget for the right circumstance? 
Yeah. Like, I mean, like instantly they, they just happen to, to know that that's what he's going to need. Um, and, and, but it's like several, I mean, days or weeks before he actually needs the item. Hey, you're going to need this. Um, he's like, am I really going to need this? And then, right. yeah. yeah. And I think like one of my favorite scenes with that is actually from the first one. It's, it's Dr. No, when he's brought in and they make him trade in his standard revolver, his Beretta for the for the classic Walther PPK. Yep. And it's this sense of like, he doesn't want to give that up because that's kind of who he is. And I feel like that's sometimes us as teachers, just we get locked into our tech tool. We get locked into our thing we want to do. Right. And we just forget that, wait, we need to be innovative. We need to kind of embrace something new. So when we get an idea for a new tech tool, let's take a look at it. Let's come in at it with an open mind. You never know when you might need to pull that out of your toolbox. And I love that you've said that because there's even a scene like right when that happens, because, you know, the the uh, the head of, of Q, M, he is actually describing and saying that since we have switched to this, there have been, there's been a 60% drop in 007 casualty rates. And I'm going to keep it that way. So you're going to use this. And you can tell Bond isn't really, and at one point, like Q's working, or, or M is working on stuff. And he's like, that's all 007. And as that happens, he picks up the box and then he like tries to sneak his gun away and he's walking and M is like, oh, 007, you can go ahead and just leave that. And he's like, oh yeah, okay. And like, again, you have that thought where you have some of those tech things that like, you know, are not even necessarily, sometimes you're even a slave to them that you're like, cause it's, cause I know how to do it, but you're having that thought that like, I really like, I need it to do um, X, Y, and Z, this one does X and kind of maybe a little bit of Y, but it doesn't even touch Z or whatever. And to sit there and go, is there something out there that can hit all three? Is there something that we can do to make all of that happen and not be afraid to try the new? I love that. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, I mean, without a doubt, that that's the, that is kind of the big like takeaway. I mean, there's, as with all film roles and especially characters that are this dated in decades past, there yes. are absolutely elements and we're not going to get into them right now that you are like, no. don't, don't, don't emulate this. Yes. Um, I think there are some that you can really particularly point to in some of those early Connery movies that you are like, that is not something that we were, that's not something that's that we wouldn't go there. It, it wasn't cool then. It's definitely not cool, not cool now. now. Agreed. <laughs> So, all right. So um, do we have anything left on James Bond or be ready to go on to our next? I mean, I mean, I don't know how much more we can say about Bond. I mean, it's the tech tools. It's, it's everything that you need uh, there uh, to bring into the classroom. I will say that if there's one thing uh, as, as we're getting ready to leave Bond, another thing that is huge for Bond is confidence. Yeah. He always has a high confidence in anything that he does, no matter what is happening and going on, um, you know, even knowing that, like, I mean, he's literally under fire and stuff is happening and he is just like kind of calmly going on with the mission and things like that. And I think that that's maybe an attitude that teachers can kind of get with too. grab that bond confidence. I mean, you're, you're the one that's up there. You're the teacher that's in charge and, and yeah, there may be some stuff going on and whatever, and you might have that kind of internal feeling. I know that we all do that, 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 that the heart palpitations are going and whatever, but, you know, grab that, uh, grab that flower, put it in your, uh, you know, tuxedo and, uh, and be bond. Absolutely. Yep.
Absolutely. That's exactly what you, what you got to do. Uh, you got to live that confidence out there. If you're going to be in front of, as, as we know, we teach teenagers or, or teenagers and those middle school kids that you better have that confidence or they're going to like just eat you alive. Exactly. All right. So our, our next role that we are going to talk about, and I want you to, to introduce it because this is something that also not only connects to your fandom, but your classroom as well, which is Sean Connery's role in the movie, Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Take it away. All right. So, so of course, this, this is just like absolute perfect segue here, by the way. So if you don't know the story of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, so it's the third indie movie. Um, it's up there. It, it might be better than Raiders. It might be. And, that, and I'd say in a lot, close. but yeah, it's real close. But here was the coolest thing about it. They decide they want to introduce Indy's dad. And Lucas and Spielberg just made the decision that Indy had become such an iconic American character the only person who could play his dad would have to be James Bond. And so they get Connery to play this character, this stuffy professor who has no desire ever to be on any kind of adventure. He would rather be digging through books and manuscripts and uh, relics on uh, medieval history. But he's this professor of medieval history and he's uh, located, he's always on a quest for the Holy Grail. That's like his lifelong ambition and his passion. And of course, the Nazis get involved because they want to capture the grail and business people like uh, Walter Donovan want to get in, in on this whole thing. And so Indy's dad, uh, Henry Jones or Sr., ends up uh, getting kidnapped by them. And so now he's with Indy on the adventure. And there's this wonderful comic relief element that ties in with that, that you see the dad in a new way. Um, I agree. Uh, you see him at the outset as being this very stuffy, I don't have time for, for my son kind of a situation. I'm, I have my passion. He's old enough now to monitor himself. I'm just going to bury my head in my books. And then by the end, you see a very, very different uh, person. I love the way the character grows. I'm, you know, and I think that's amazing too, to, to think about. Um, you, you have these two, I mean, arguably, I mean, some of his top roles. And you have the one that we've talked about where he is like the king of adventure. He's the essence of adventure. And then later they have that person play just about the complete opposite. The person that is not only not for like very anti-adventure, get in the library, do your research, you know, all of, all of that. And, and if there's even that line where they're in the middle of a fight and it's kind of towards the end. And he even looks at Indy and he goes, you call this archaeology? Yes. I, yes, that is absolutely one of my favorite lines um, out of all of it. Uh, that, and when he first sees him, and he 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 thinks he's one of the Nazis breaking into his room as Indy's trying to rescue him. And uh, by the way, if you haven't seen this movie, I feel like we should say spoiler alert. But... I feel like you know we didn't say spoilers for Bond. I will say I'm pretty sure that most of the movies that we are talking about are like 1990s or the most recent movies. Yeah. But yes. Please, hashtag spoilers. If you haven't seen these movies, please go and watch them. Yes, By the way, you're welcome. These movies are awesome. Yeah. Um, but he hits but he hits his son over the head with this uh base. And he uh and while his son is like trying to like gather himself and like rescue his dad, his dad's like pulls it as he sees it and he's looking at it under the light and everything, trying to like see what it is. And he goes, like, uh, and his son finally says, No, I, I, I'm okay, uh, dad. He's like, Thank God. And then he points to the vase and says, it's a fake. <laughs> it's like he is so engrossed in his work and he just fails to even realize. Doesn't even realize 
any of it. Yeah. So, um, okay. So we've, we've kind of talked about, I mean, I think that we have some things here in terms of like also being able to be a person that can maybe do some different things. Maybe if you are the, you know, adventurous folk, be willing to, you know, maybe do something that's maybe not as adventurous, I guess, per se, and maybe like a little bit more on that research-based stuff. I know that in gamified classes, like a lot of folks think that, you know, we, we, play games and stuff like that all day and we're not necessarily like that a lot of times we still have just like indie you know so much of what we do is based on research and reading and all of that kind of stuff be willing to give variety to kids there i think that may be a better way to say it yeah absolutely give variety to kids but i think there's also a a great lesson in the power of research so he's so indie's dad has this grail diary where he's written down everything about his experience and he's got it all in there and at one point they've, they're, you know, they, they need like the, um, the clues to get through the booby traps at the end uh, as they're headed towards the Grail Temple, but they don't have the diary because it's in the hands of like the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And his dad's like, no, no, we got to go to Berlin. We got to get my diary. And, you know, he says like, and he's like, well, you know, we have the map. And he's like, well, but there's more in there. And he, and he's like, you got to tell me what's going on. And it's like, how do we get through? And he's like, well, can't you remember? And it's like, I wrote them down in my diary so I wouldn't have to remember. And I think that's a great lesson for our kids about the value of things as simple as note-taking in that you don't have to keep going back to those endless primary sources or secondary sources you're going through. If you've got the notes, if you've got the information you need written down, you don't have to have that pile of sources to come back to. I think there is a lesson in there in kind of the the low tech and traditional research power. I think you're right. And, you know, that's where, you know, because obviously last time we talked about, I guess there's a difference there where Bond is a very gadget heavy person. And, but then you see, you know, this, you know, Dr. Jones Sr. is very much not. And he's, he's very in the classics. And now, of course, thinking about another one of those iconic scenes where um, you have that, I think it's the third Nazi plane after they have gotten off of the Zeppelin and they've crashed, they're on the beach, mm-hmm. this, this plane is coming down, and Indy's looking around, and he's got his whip, and he's got his revolver, and he opens up the revolver, and it's empty, and he doesn't know what to do, and you watch um, Connery put it all together, and he's got this umbrella, and he umbrella, and all of a sudden, this humongous flock of birds come up, mm-hmm. and he, like, as that's happening, Indy's looking around like, what just happened? And he, he has this line of like, I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne, let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky that like, that was an amazing low tech option that was super incredibly effective. So sometimes be willing to not necessarily have to go the high tech route. Now, as we're filming this, we're also in the midst of um, the global pandemic and things like that. So technology has been a focus for things like that. But be open to looking for ways that we can use some of those low tech tech options. Get some pencil and paper. Let kids draw out. I know that you and I use things like sketch notes um, and and some ideas that like Carrie Bauckham has done, which is amazing. And like, I know that my kids, it's amazing how some kids can just really sail when they have that pencil and paper. Absolutely. I mean, those are uh, awesome things. And we should always kind of leave that as an option. I always tell kids that, you know, this year I, I built this entire thing in Google Slides, a huge slide deck of something like 68 slides of everything we would need for the year 
that we would normally put into our notebook, whether it was like a blank page for taking notes or a document we were going to paste in because I wanted kids to have access to it. But I also told them like, look, if you would rather take notes on paper so that you can have your screen up to see what you need, that's okay too, guys. Um, you do what works for you. And I think that's an important lesson uh, to be had. Is And that kind of ties in if you're somebody who's really big on note-taking. I love that you mentioned sketch notes. Let kids take notes however they want. I know people are, there's some groups that are like, hey, it's got to be Cornell notes or hey, it's got to be an outline. No, it doesn't. Let a kid do what they need to do to get the information because ultimately the notes are them. Right. And what's the point of notes really when you get boiled down to it? It's to help them remember stuff. That's what yep. we're saying. I wrote them down so I didn't have to remember them. Exactly. And, you know, even if you remember in the very like beginning of this movie, um, we see some sketch noting. We actually yeah. see Dr. Jones inside of his grail diary. He is very detailed sketching um, a pane glass window that we see even later on in the movie, but he is transcribing that so that he has that element so that it can be used later. Absolutely. So. How, very powerful lessons to be had from that. All right. One more on, on Connery, unless you've got um, something else in the last crusade. One of the more powerful things is at one point they're escaping the Nazis for like kind of the first time, sort of in the middle of the movie, they're trying to escape the castle. And mm -hmm. as they're running, they go into the scene and they cannot figure out where to go. And, and Indy's like, there's got to be a trap door or something. And then it ends up being interrupted. And it's one of those comedic moments that Chang'e, he's like, he's like, well, I find, you know, when, I, when I'm trying to like find something out and he sits down and the chair flips back and it opens it up and, and opens up this exit and he falls down it very comedically. Yeah. And he goes, the solution presents itself. And I think that sometimes we're in a very like hectic way to think about things. But yeah, sometimes if you just sit down and wait for it, sometimes the solution presents itself. I think, yeah, that's, that's a very powerful lesson. Even just the opportunity to just take a step back and, and let your brain refocus and see it from another light. And I think that solution as a teacher sometimes comes in the form of those kids who are willing to test stuff out for you. I, I had this happen today. I was looking at redesigning my Google sites to be more streamlined for kids, a little bit easier to understand. And I felt like I labored too much to put sites and slides together for this year. So I showed my, my kind of rough outline of it, my sketch design, and then what it would look like as a test page on my Google sites to a group that does some of that beta testing for me. They looked at it and they're like, yes, this is, this is going to be a lot easier to, for people to understand and access. Well, the solution presented itself because I was willing to sit down next to my 13 and 14 year old students and ask their input. And that. so don't ignore the solution being in your room in the form of the very people you are trying to teach. Awesome. Okay, well, let's, um, I think we'll move on to the next movie, which is um, The Untouchables. Um, I think this one's mine. So um, in The Untouchables, this is the Kevin Costner, Sean Connery um, uh, movie. Uh, Robert De Niro was um, Al Capone. Yep. Um, and, uh, and you had uh, Kevin Costner, who's Elliot Ness. And then you had uh, Sean Connery, who was Malone, who was kind of like the second in the Untouchables. And it's this story. It's these, you know, gangsters in during Prohibition time. So you're talking like, you know, 1920s, 1930s. Um, and it's this story of Elliot Ness, who's trying to get basically um, liquor in, flowing in Chicago to stop. And so 
Al Capone has sort of become this law unto himself. Um, guy has his kind of hands in everything. And then, um, you know, uh, uh, you have Elliot Ness, who's trying to figure out what to do. You have uh, Sean Connery, who ends up being this kind of like poor beat cop, even in his, in his own terms. Uh, and then trying to basically bust up the Capone gang. Yeah, um, it, it's it's very, very much, you know, in, in terms of like movie quality here, I'm not going to call it the most faithful to the events in any yes. way. But, yes. um, and, and, and I think it's another one of these, I mean, not to take us too far afield, it's one of those opportunities that people love to just bag on Kevin Costner for. Um, but he, but Connery's character has this very much in, in kind of like that, that Henry Jones senior vibe, this very professorial approach to, even though he's a cop, even though he's kind of that beat cop and just kind of doing his, his job, he has this sense of, I need, I'm going to teach this young guy, Elliot Ness. This is how things are done in Chicago. This is how you beat Capone. The Chicago way. Yes. Yeah. And I love that. That's where he, you know, he, he has his famous, you know, they bring a knife to a fight. You bring a gun. He puts one of yours in the hospital. You put one of his in the morgue. That's the Chicago way, yeah. you know. And and that had obviously been something that you know Elliot Ness wasn't necessarily prepared. And and that's where it comes into like the quote that I always remember the most, the, the like famous Malone quote. He quotes it throughout the entire movie and whatever, which is he always keeps asking Elliot Ness, "What are you prepared to do?" What are you prepared to do? How far are you going to take this? Because he's like, these people, this is their business. This is their lives and whatever. Like, they will not stop. If this is just a nine to five job for you or whatever, he's like, I'm not going to be involved. How far are you willing to take this? What are you prepared to do? Yeah. And that's that's a powerful lesson for us as teachers. You know, it's, it's not to suggest that we don't need um, our own grace for ourselves and time away. We absolutely do. And that self-care is vital for us. It is. You're not, not going to be able to give what you're prepared to give if you're not willing to take care of yourself too. Um, but we also need to understand that, uh, and, and you know, I had a principal who told me this a while back and it's absolutely the case. Um, this is not a 7.30 to 3.30 job. No. You know, it, it, it can't be. Uh, it's no. too important. It's too significant. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be willing to kind of make those decisions. Now, yeah, we take care of our family. We take care of ourselves to make certain we can take care of our students. Um, but that also means, you know what? Sometimes that personal plan stuff, guess what? If you got to cover a class, you got to be prepared to do that. Uh, you got a kid in guided study or a study hall there and the study hall teacher said, Hannah, they're just not like getting anything done. Sometimes you got to go sit down with them. You know, that, that I did that a lot last year. I sat down next to kids, say, all right, you're in study hall right now. What do we need to get done today for my class? Let's talk. And we're going to make a plan and we're going to lay that out. Um, exactly. And, yeah. and, you know, you see, you have that kind of like that realization also. And I think that it is a, I think it's an important question to ask yourself. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, you need to just have that. What are you prepared to do? You know, kind of, you, you got to ask that question for yourself and, you know, being okay with the answer I think is also important too, is that, you know, everybody kind of has their varying different ways of doing things. And like, you know, some of that, what are you prepared to do? Are you prepared to try something new? Um, And then maybe the, if I'm not like, could I, you know, get some help and whatever to do that? 
And, you know, sometimes in that, what are you prepared to do? Are you even prepared to ask for help? And sometimes that can be almost harder than, I think that we have a lot of our folks in this profession that are so gung-ho with with everything. And I know that we've got a couple of us sitting right here (laughs) that sometimes, you know, we're the ones that are like working on game items for our kids and storyline stuff and, and all of these things. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I know that I tend to be one of those kind of take on uh, a lot. And so I've even, what am I prepared to do? Sometimes I'm prepared to let someone else do something. And, and we have, that's kind of the other side. So you, you know, being prepared to ask for help, I think is huge. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think my favorite line out of all of it is one is another one he repeats quite a bit in there mm-hmm. is that anytime he's trying to give some real clear instruction to Elliot Ness about how he needs to change things, he finishes it with there endeth the lesson. And I think for me, my big takeaway as a teacher from that is, and, and I have a bad habit of this, that I will just start sucking the air out of a room and just keep going and keep going. And I have to remind myself, no, listen, you explained it. There are no questions. There endeth the lesson. Yes. Get to work. And yes. having that kind of thing um, there, and I, I kind of have developed my own little line of it where I'm just like, hey, all right, that's all I have for you. Let's get to work. And letting kids get to work on their stuff. Uh-huh. And realizing that, again, it's not necessarily just how much can I impart, it's, it's the how much of the motor do I need to prime to let them take off and to know that for some of them, it may take a little bit more priming than others. But to then realize, yeah, that sometimes you get into those extra stories and you go a little bit further and then you're like, ooh, now I'm starting to take away some of the work time that I wanted these kids to have to do these things. Yes, here ended the lesson. Yeah, having, having closure on things as well, I think is also one of those really important things and to make sure that like we have good closure. I know they always talk about that with lessons, having some type of end to things, a good wrap up, you know, this is your nugget to take home. Here endeth the lesson. We'll see you guys tomorrow. And knowing that like for some kids, like it also needs to be okay. We talk about self-care for us, but allowing kids to have self-care too. Kids have got tons of other things that they've got going outside of school and things like that. And, and letting them know that sometimes it's okay, you know, to leave stuff in the classroom here endeth the lesson. Now you need to be able to go. Yeah. And and even just within class, I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, if you recognize, Hey, this is a class that usually has is good about getting their stuff turned in. We don't need any of that extra time. Sometimes they just need an opportunity to just talk about kind of the world. Um, you know, we had a great conversation in my fifth hour today about just like education, like why I use standards-based grading and, and what does that mean and in terms of the learning process. And, you know, it, it's a conversation with 13 and 14 year olds about that, but that kind of ability to have that conversation while they're working and kind of having those breaks is, is always a good thing to have. I think, you know, if you're looking for a strategy to tie with this, I think if you are somebody, uh, I know it's really hard right now with, with COVID, you know, we want to maintain social distance. So Padlet's a good way to do it. But if you're, when we get past COVID situation, we can do this again. I love the uh, stand up hand end up pair up Kagan strategy where to wrap up at the end of the day, the kids already want to stand up and get going. Let's tap into that movement. Let's just say, boom, stand up, hand up, pair up. Here's your question, talk. And then when you have them share out nice little like uh, strategy here, don't have them share out what they thought, have them share out what their partner said. So they have to actively yes. listen. I love that. So, oh. all right. So cool. I think we have our last one, Yep. Um, which is a, it's another iconic, it's, a, it's actually a Michael Bay movie. 
which is um, The Rock. Yeah. It's one of my, like, this is one of my, like, more high school favorite movies, um, but it is now your turn to describe. Yeah. So, okay. So The Rocket is very much, I mean, the fact that you said it was Michael Bay should, like, let everybody understand what kind of movie we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a high action, not exactly the most, like, streamlined plot, if we will. But yeah. anyway, uh, so Sean Connery in this one plays uh, John uh, Mason, who's a British uh, SAS, uh, Special Air Service uh, operative. Um, who had been captured in the United States way, way back and had just been held in prison indefinitely at one, and he happened to have been held in Alcatraz. Well, fast forward and uh, a bunch of uh, Marine Force recon uh, troops angry that, that their buddies weren't, uh, families weren't getting uh, payments for their deaths uh, overseas because they were special operatives, um, basically take some hostages on, who were on uh, Alcatraz for a tour and threatened to attack the city of San Francisco and gas the city. And so the FBI's got to get somebody in there. And the person they get in there is somebody who knows their ins and outs of Alcatraz because John Mason escaped uh, from Alcatraz. Yes. And so they bring him back. They, 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 you know, get him out of prison. He, they agree to kind of get him in there. And so he can lead everybody through it. And, you know, Sean Connery just sort of very much embraces that role. And I think, it's a good bookend for him in terms of his career from where he began as Bond. And I can kind of see John Mason being, this is what Bond would have been. Yeah. You know, really would have been. And uh, without his gadgets, without all the, the tricks and everything like that, this is what Bond would have been. And to have him kind of in that role again was just awesome to see. Yes, I agree. And I'll tell you, so, so the first thing that, that I would think about is part of the reason that they pull him in is they're like, well, no one has ever, like part of the reason those Marines end up taking the island is they're like, it's Alcatraz. No one's ever escaped from Alcatraz. And so it's that, that thought of the, you know, looking, you know, to achieve the, the impossible and, and willing to kind of like shoot for these higher things. And just because somebody has said that this is impossible doesn't mean a hundred percent that it is impossible. Yeah, that that's exactly right. You know, you know that somebody can do it, and sometimes it takes the least likely person you would think of. I mean, you got to understand that the character John Mason by this point is in his sixties or seventies. So uh, yeah, yeah, um, and he's been in prison for all of these years since they captured him. And prison, like, I mean, they show him when, when he's there. I mean, he's been chained up. He's reading yeah. books and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's not like he's working out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, like, hey, we're going to get this in here. And somehow he's, like, remembered all of these little things about it. Like, hey, this is the way you go here. I've got the timing memorized to roll underneath the boiler. Oh, yes, that <laughs> boiler scene where he's, like, they're looking. There are all these flame bursts. And he's, like, I memorized the timing. And then he's kind of like, I hope they didn't change it. Yeah. And then he kind of does this like hand movement <laughs> and then he rolls under and then yeah. you like watch him go. And it's, um, yeah, that's definitely another one of those amazing scenes. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's absolutely, it's very much Michael Bay in that. Yeah. No, it, there's no way this is possible, but. Um, but yet it, it's so cool to watch. Yeah, it is so cool to watch. Yeah. And it's just kind of that kind of that, that leadership sense. And I think, um, what I think is unique about it is this in terms of a takeaway is that willingness of, you know, we've got like the, this very nervous Nick Cage, uh, uh, Nathaniel, uh, Goodspeed, um, mm -hmm. who's 
like he's an analyst for the FBI. He is very much not like a field agent kind of person. Yeah. And he's, he's like, I have a gun and it's at home in my sock drawer. He actually says that in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they, they bring him in there and, you know, Connery's character, you know, John Mason's like just making fun of him kind of things. And just like, Oh my gosh, where did they dig this guy up? And then by the end, he's kind of become this very much a mentor figure. And for me, that takeaway in education is find some of those veterans that you know still know the, the tips and tricks, that still know how to do this well. Um, and they may have like gone and hidden themselves in, the, in their own little like cave, their own little classroom, say, hey, I, I've done my bit. I, I've helped enough people at this point. I want to focus on me and I just, my class. Don't be afraid to kind of nudge them a little bit and say, hey, give me some advice here. What are you seeing at this? How can I make this better? How can I achieve what I want to achieve? And, you know, I think a lot of people say that, which is on, I mean, good teaching is good teaching mm-hmm. and you can find it pretty much anywhere. And all those skills are, are pretty universal. And that's kind of another thing that I had thought of too, that a lot of those things can still kind of transfer and yeah, find, find your mentor, find somebody that's willing to work with you on this. Yeah. So yeah, without a doubt. So all right. Well, um, I, I think that we've pretty much hit almost all of these areas for our kind of like main Sean Connery stuff. So um, uh, Ryan, thank you again so much for, for returning on the show. I know that we'll be doing this again. We have plenty of our other subjects to talk yeah. about. So yeah, well, thank you for having me, you know, and, and for those that are very much like, well, hey, you didn't talk about this one. You didn't talk about that one. Guys, Sean Connery's career spanned so many movies and so many iconic roles we couldn't put it all in there okay i mean there, there's ones like i like i'm i'm a huge fan of his character in the hunt for red october marco ramius as, as yes. the submarine captain um i know some of you may be like highlander fans and like why didn't you talk about ramirez from there and i'm like i get it you know we gotta sometimes talk about connery being a spanish or uh you know knight or uh yeah. russian sub commander speaking in the scottish accent but <laughs> once more we play our dangerous game yeah exactly um but there's so much there uh and and if you first off if you've never seen a sean connery act in in a movie i i don't know what movies you've been watching and, and growing up with um but right find something mm-hmm. i will tell you indiana jones and the last crusade is on netflix watch it you'll love sean connery in it so thank absolutely. you again, Jordan. This was, this was amazing. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, guys, and thank you guys all out there in the audience for, for hanging with us for this uh, deep dive honoring Sir Sean Connery. And uh, we will see you guys for the next episode and take care.